the best the hottest podcast in the world cranked and cranked ranked, and ranked. <laughs> <laughs> i had that in my brain i'm like i gotta do that uh totally. yes you're listening to <laughs> cranked and ranked thank you for joining um i have a feeling when it comes to a band like kiss i'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there that's what we're starting to talk about is the band kiss i have a feeling there will be some people who don't normally listen to us that might be jumping in and so hello to all of you. Cranked and Ranked is a, is a podcast where uh, two gentlemen, one in his 40s and one in his 20s, uh, we rank band discographies and other rock and metal related things. And um, we're tackling KISS. And we, we go in depth. Um, and to be fair, just you know, to throw this out there, it, it always ends up becoming that the idea of these episodes is more about talking about the albums and not so much where they actually fall in the ranking. The ranking actually just allows us to really inspect these albums and have these, these in-depth conversations about them. But still we we're ranking every kiss studio album, which is including the four solo albums, but we're in order to save a little bit of time, we're leaving out the live albums. So um, I mean, not that they don't deserve to be talked about, but we're already going to be doing this in three episodes. So it's, uh, <laughs> they might get their little, own little unique segment on another episode, maybe like maybe. At, at the, at the start or maybe get their own little special. Yeah, that could be, but, that could be an idea for the video one. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But the one, the one thing that I kept thinking was we're doing a three part episode for a band that some people really love and a lot of people really hate. So I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to prolong it anymore for those listeners that are like, God damn it. Can you just get done with kiss and move on? <laughs> but sorry, folks. Uh, this is part one of three of the kiss discography ranking. As usual, I'm your host, Old head, aka Steven, or depending on what you want to call me, with me as always is Mr. Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. I feel like I'm tired on a Saturday night. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Yeah. Um, so, Kiss. Um, so, uh, we normally begin these things by talking about where the bands we're talking about came into our lives. And we've done all sorts of things all over the spectrum where we've known these bands since we were young and some where we just started listening to them a year ago or, you know, in the case of uh, when we did Judas Priest, I knew them, but I had not jumped into their discography until literally weeks before we did the episodes. But Kiss is a different story. I am a full-on Kiss fan. Um, I have been ever since I was a kid. The When I was at nine years old, I believe... Uh, when the album Crazy Nights came out, I as when I, that's when I first heard Kiss, and that made me because I knew from from just seeing stuff on TV that they were a band that had done a lot of stuff and used to wear makeup. So that led me to buying the compilation Double Platinum, and I've been a Kiss fan ever since. I uh, I mean even every album they've put out, I've heard many many times. And even though you're going to hear me talk some shit, because I feel it's important to have 
that sort of balanced viewpoint on on these bands, especially Kiss. Kiss is a band that people can talk shit, and half of the time I'll be like, "That's totally warranted," <laughs> you know. <laughs> but the other half of the time I'm like, "You're just being an idiot." But um, but yes, I am. I am a I'm a Kiss fan. Um, and that's, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I feel like I'm doing an Alcoholics <laughs> Anonymous meeting. Like, <laughs> but anyway, Eddie, where did, uh, where did Kiss come into your life? Funnily enough, uh, same, same album, uh, Crazy Nights, except I heard the song, the title track on Crazy, a, crazy Nights. Ha, yes, yes. There's one can't more for, crazy in the song title. Can't, for, can't forget the crazy. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I heard that song on a an, on an eighties compilation CD my mum had in her car. Yeah, and this I don't know if I've told this story on on here before, and it was like to do with Europe and the final countdown. I think it was. Yeah, um, but inspired by Karate Kid, I took <laughs> up I took up a martial art form, which was. Um, judo and um i haven't done it in years i've totally forgotten everything apart from like one specific flip yeah yeah judo is a lot of flipping and pushing people over and stuff like it's like a defensive kind of martial arts isn't it yeah yeah as far as i can as far as i can remember because like the the much like cobra kai the dude that did the karate nearby was kind of a tool so uh (laughs) but um yeah (laughs) anyway it's, uh, I just remember being like really into 80s movies at the time, and Crazy Nights could easily just be a soundtrack to an 80s movie. Yeah, I agree. Like, it has that really over the top, glossy keyboard montage vibe. And, you know, that's kind of where I came in on 80s Kiss. But where I came in on 70s Kiss. You'll, you'll know where I'm going with this, don't you? I, d- I don't. I, I, it's, I, I, it's, it's, God, it's GTA San Andreas. Oh, <laughs> why? <laughs> of course. Why did I? <laughs> why would I think otherwise? I think it's because you threw me off with the whole judo thing, and I'm like, okay, yeah. this is a different different story. <laughs> yeah, um, Strutter is on the classic rock KDST yeah. radio station on uh, GTA San Andreas. Hosted by Tommy the Nightmare Smith, otherwise known as Axl Rose in real life. So, you know, hit that up. That's that's nice. a fun fun listen, KDST. Um, but yeah, Strutter introduced me to 70s Kiss, and I was like, this is also really good. It's different to what I'd heard first, but this is the kind of thing I was talking about to you earlier before we started the podcast. Um when you get to 80s Kiss, it's like a totally different band. Yeah, with, I, I could see with that. With Paul it's, and Gene. Yeah, you, it. It, really, it really does. It feels, it feels almost like, it feels like Kiss, but almost like Kiss from another dimension. <laughs> it's like par- parallel universe yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, so, that, so that, was ba- that was probably less than 10 years ago, you would say. When, when did GTA San Andreas come out? 2004. Okay. GTA that it came out. I got it in two thousand seven because you know okay. six six years old is is a little too young 
to be playing a game that violent. Nah. Nine, nine years old. Nine years old is the ideal age. That's true. But, uh, <laughs> but um, my daughter yeah. is nine now. Oh, she's about to be ten, and I'm still. I she wants to watch like a Nightmare on Elm Street. And I go, oh, no, I don't think you're ready yet. But when I was nine, my mom had already bought me A Nightmare on Elm Street on VHS. So I'm just like, all right, well, maybe I need to, <laughs> I need to start being a little more lenient. W- were you ready? Were you ready when you saw it? Because yeah. that's kind of, that's well, kind I of the gauge. I saw, I saw the Dream Warriors first, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Oh, and then shit, went with Dolphin. Back. Hell yeah, yeah, and then went back to the first one. That's for another episode where we could talk about. For just instead of talking about music, we'll talk about we'll rank the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I want to do that now that I'm saying it out loud. That's going to happen. That's um, going to be the Halloween special of this year. Okay, cool. We're because planning I've, ahead, folks. I've got some serious catching up to do with eighties horror movies, which right, is cool. shocking. I can, I can help you with that. <laughs> awesome. So, all right. So without further ado, uh, so today we're going to be doing, let me look. I have so many notes. We're going to be doing numbers 24 to number 17. There are 24 full-length studio albums from Kiss when you count the four solo albums. And so we're starting off with number 24. Eddie, as usual, take us away with your number 24 Kiss album. Cool. So for my number 24, I went for Sonic Boom. All right. So... This one, to me, felt like it didn't quite have the balls that most other Kiss albums had. Yeah. Plus, it's kind of... I I have to be honest, I do feel weird about, you know, Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer having the same makeup I'm as... Glad, I'm glad you're saying this first, <laughs> yeah. because I feel the same way. And I'm wearing a shirt of the current lineup. You know, I found yeah. this. I found this in in Asda, and I thought it was a cool shirt. And don't get me wrong, I love what they bring to the band, but I wish that they'd done what they did with like Vinnie Vincent and Eric Carr, and came up with their own kind of you know makeup yeah. style. I think I, th- I so it's weird because I'm kind of in the middle on this because I hate it. Like I, I, like, I don't know why I hate it so much, but I just wish that they had come up with different characters. But at the same time, they had spent so much time, you know, with yeah. their marketing and all of this stuff where those four characters became the kiss everybody knows. And True. so it would seem, I understand why maybe they were like, why would we even do that? Like those two guys, like we don't, that's the thing. You hear stories from all different sides of kiss I don't know who the asshole is. It could be all four of them. <laughs> but you hear stories about everybody being hard to work with in some way or another. So if I'm, if I'm trying, like, let's say that I was really good friends with Paul Stanley, I would be on his side with this because I'm his friend. And I would be like, well, yeah, those other two apparently were really hard to work with. So they fucked it up for themselves. Mm. So, but then again, if I was best friends with Ace Fraley or Peter Chris, I would feel... Like maybe I'd feel like, well, fuck them for wearing their makeup. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. But I absolutely agree with you that something about it makes it feel more like a traveling, you know, tribute show than yeah. a real rock show. But that's just that's not really has nothing to do with the music. It's just the visuals. And but but, you, you know, we'd be lying if we said the visuals weren't important when it comes to Kiss. Oh, it, with Kiss, it's all about the live show. Yeah. All of, all about the gigs, dude. But onto but Sonic Booms, though. Though onto onto Sonic Boom, 
Um, Modern Day Delilah is is a cool opener with a good groove going on. Uh, I will say, you know, not only on the image front with the, you know, kind of tribute act feel some of it has on this album mm-hmm. it it does feel a little bit like even in even in the artwork it looks like a throwback to stuff like you know rock and roll over or something along those lines yeah um it it took me i actually had to really look for a good sounding version of this on youtube because it, it's not on spotify it's not on apple so, music either so I, i'm is assuming it not? nope so i'm assuming wow. I mean, they're in control of all their shit as far as I know, so maybe they know that it's the worst. <laughs> so they took it down. Yeah, it it to me it, here's how I would describe it on on my note for track 2, Russian Roulette. It feels like the type of music you hear in the background of a TV show about garages that restore classic cars. <laughs> It's like rocking enough to keep the show going, but Dude. generic enough to not draw attention away. Yeah, the, that's one of the worst things in the world to me is when you're watching a TV show and there's that faux rock music playing in yeah. the background. And I'm just like, oh, because you can, for, for people like us that love this music <laughs> and also know how to play it, like you listen to it and you're just like, oh, God, that's it's, <laughs> that, it's just, it feels soulless. And 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 uh, it's a thing that like I never bring up to like my wife when we're watching shows because I know she probably can't hear it because it just sounds like rock music. But to me, I'm like, no, you can't. It sounds fake. Yeah. But so I so I just don't even talk about it. <laughs> it, it it's it, it it does sound like that kind of that kind of like background rock is yeah. how I would is how I would describe it because it's like it's designed to evoke an atmosphere but not pull attention away from something else. Yeah, it's almost like when you go yeah. into like using iMovie and stuff like that and they have pre-loaded rock tracks that you can use in yeah. your background. That's yeah. that's that's what it is. Yeah, and and that could be said for a lot of new music by 70s and 80s hard rock bands, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but some do it better than others and this kind of this kind of sound just don't do it for me when, when it comes to Kiss, you know? Yeah, there there are bands that started in the 70s that put out really good albums in this century, and so um, it, we're not being cruel. I think we're being yeah. very honest um, with this kind of album. And I'm just going to say this now. Never Enough is pretty much nothing but a good time by Poison. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I heard it, and I, and I was just singing the, you know, poison melody over the top of it and i thought this this is just this is just fucking poison and i thought i had a really original comment and i went down to the comment section and like nine people had put the exact same thing so i didn't feel as unique anymore but it did it did solidify my argument (laughs) hopefully brett michaels doesn't listen to this otherwise there's going to be a lawsuit that we've caused yeah like tw- 12 years after the fact. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's it's never too late. It's never too late. Um yes, I know nobody's perfect is a, is a is a fun rocker. That's the St- that's one of the worst song titles. Like yeah. nobody's perfect is a fine song title. Yes, I know 
is a horrible song title. So why not just get rid of that part and call the song Nobody's Perfect? I just, I mean, you're already being pretty generic with yeah. your song titles. You don't need, <laughs> it's like you're trying to be more fancy with a really dumb song title, but whatever. Yeah, it, it, this album, in my opinion, is is the most generic. Um, Stand, you know, is a feel-good, uplifting track. Uh, my notes do sound pretty positive, but I'm giving all the tracks the benefit of the doubt as I listen to the album. But all in all, it's it it's to me, it's got the least balls of any Kiss album because yeah. it it. it even the guitars sound dialed back and we've talked about this in the past where it sounds like they recorded it next to a room where like some old people are trying to sleep and (laughs) they say hey can you dial the amps back just a little bit you know edna's really struggling with her you know insomnia you know (laughs) yeah or, it's, or um, there's just the fact that they're a bunch of old dudes. Yeah. <laughs> like, we do we have to have it up so loud? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hot and cold. This this one stood out to me the most so far. It it was at least fun to sing along to. Uh, All for the Glory was way too generic for my taste. Yeah. Danger Us. Danger Us. <laughs> you know, could danger have shown- you, danger me, danger <laughs> us. <laughs> Those are actually sat- the lyrics, people. <laughs> Not, and that, I didn't make that up. And that's the thing. Something that is dumb like that could have sounded way cooler if the guitars had at least some oomph to them. But they yeah. sound they sound so dialed back and like how do you make a distorted guitar sound like it's not into it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like ah, I don't feel like I don't feel like this today. He has an indifference pedal that he he clicks on. (laughs) (laughs) It's the boss indifference pedal for you old rockers. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Do you want to sound like the background to a Mythbusters episode? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Um, what is it? What we got here? I'm an animal. Cool song. Sabbathy edge to this one. Uh, when lightning strikes, feels like an '80s era track. Uh, and Tommy then Thayer to be on, on that one. Yes, and to be honest, say yeah. For all the album's faults, in my opinion, it ends on a high note. This yeah. sounds. This song sounds like an instant classic. It, you know, it's got they some. S- they still play that one too. Yeah, it's got some Alice Cooper poison kind of th- stuff going on in those vocals, but it's a great way to close out an otherwise mediocre album. You know, sure. th- this is the one album that I listened to and I thought, oh man, the vibe is just not here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. Let me, let me, let me just run with this because Sonic Boom's also my number 24. Hey, we um, already have our first matchup. <laughs> first matchup. I'm going to start off by talking about Say Yeah, because while it is a fun song, a th- there's a thing that sticks out in Say Yeah and some of the other tracks that takes away from this album for me, and that is auto-tune. Oh, God. You yeah. can hear auto-tune on everybody's vocals, and I, I realize that you know n- none of them can sing as good as they used to, and that's fine, but... It really bothers me that that they couldn't figure out a way to because because you, you a lot of artists use auto tune and we can't even tell yeah because that's 
how good the production is. They know how to blend it in and maybe smooth out the edges. But Sonic Boom to me, um, I agree with you on a lot of it. It feels uh, really uninspired. It, it almost feels like they had some sort of promotional thing going on and they had to get an album out in order to back up you know, their appearance on some movie or some... So, or a tour that they were going to do. I, I don't know. It just feels like something where they just needed to get something out and they did. And, and that's why there's, you know, the, the, when it originally came out, there was a second CD of re-recorded classic Kiss songs. Yeah. And it just feels to me like, oh, they were, they were throwing something out there for a tour or they had a lot of things coming out at that point and they needed some new music. But, um, Really, it's my biggest problem with the album, aside from that, is that a lot of it sounds like repurposed older riffs and song ideas. Like you can hear, even yeah. on even on Monster, the one following this, you can hear riffs where you're like, that is literally a an inverted version of a riff from their first album or whatever, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of that on there. And really like it, it is a fun album like it's enjoyable there there is no kiss album that i don't enjoy i'm gonna throw that out there but this one it yeah it does feel a bit generic it does feel like this is an album that i could understand people not liking i almost feel like it's for the ultimate kiss fanatics that just want more kiss music and then here yeah. you go you get sonic boom um but there's really no standout tracks for me this is an album that when it came out, I bought it, I listened to it a few times, and then I never thought about it again because I was just, yeah, it just didn't do anything for me. So that's why it is also my number 24, our first joint uh, ranking of the KISS. They're starting it off strong. Nice. Um, but yeah, as you can hear, the way we do things, for those of you who are new, is Eddie is really big on going through each track and talking about its strengths and weaknesses, and I am more of a of a gut reaction, all encompassing sort of summary. I'm the cliff notes version. If, did you have cliff notes over in England? Do they have? Yeah, those? I'm, I'm familiar with the term, but I, I'm aware that it's more of a US, US saying. Yeah. But then so again, cl the cliff I notes were a shitload of US stuff. So yeah. So it's, um, so it's like in school, you're assigned to read, no, no, the grapes of wrath. And you're like, fuck, <laughs> I don't want to read this. And the Grapes of Wrath is like 400 pages long, but you can go buy the Cliff Notes version at your local bookstore that is like 20 pages long and just summarizes the whole story for you. And with some other little added, I think they had like different points of here are important parts of the story. And then you could just cheat and hopefully make a 70 on your, uh, your barely <laughs> passing grade on your, on your test. Anyway, so yeah, let's move on to number 23. Cool. So, uh, my number 23, I'm going to have to apologize to the Catman because oh. his solo album was, was the, it just didn't cut it. The Peter Chris solo album. Okay. Peter Chris solo album. And Man, we're mo moving from the 2000s back to 1978, the year of my birth. And I feel as though this album would not have been nearly as badly received had it not been associated with Kiss. Because this is not by any stretch a hard rock album. I would no. be I would be way more inclined to put it in with like the, you know, R and B yacht rock kind of stuff 
than anything remotely hard. Yeah. And, you know, it, I don't... It, here on in, I think Sonic Boom is, is the only write-off album for me where I think, eh, like, the last track and maybe the first track are okay, but everything in the middle of Sonic Boom just turns me off. But this one, I can appreciate it for what it is, but because it doesn't sound like Kiss, in a Kiss ranking, I felt like... Yeah, I gotta weigh it up here. So I'm just I'm just gonna go straight into the track by track. Do it. Uh I'm gonna love you is much more old school 70s pop than rock. <laughs> you matter to me. The synth is brilliantly yeah. cheesy. Oh, I like, love it. I love that synth in that. <laughs> I'll admit, yeah, like this album doesn't feel like Kiss at all, so it hurts it a little bit, but in a way. I appreciate this on a different level. Yeah. And were this not in the Kiss catalog, <laughs> I could, uh, <laughs> it would probably be higher somewhere. But yeah. Um, so for those of you who are actually are sticking around listening to this, but you're not Kiss fans, we're talking about one of the four solo albums. So Kiss in 1978, each member released their own solo album with their own bands and their own songs, um, which for the most part on you know these they were originals. Um, I do think that there was a couple covers on this one, but it was a pretty bold thing. They were like one of the biggest bands in the world at that point. So they're like, well, shit, what can we do that's different? We'll all release our own solo albums. And Peter Chris, the drummer, who also sang, um, yeah, this is this is his his uh, what I don't know what you would call it <laughs> his <laughs> well, effort. He, I was gonna say he. he his voice was always utilized on the softer Kiss songs, like Beth and mm-hmm. stuff like that. He's got more of a soul thing going on. Than he had a very Rod a, Stewart type uh, he, performance on his vo- vocals. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot softer and, and nicer, <laughs> but, yeah. um, yeah, it, it, tossing and turning, you know, this is, a, this is wildly different to anything Kiss did before or since, uh, cool cover though. And mm-hmm. all power to Peter for having huge balls to do something so far removed from the arena rock kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and to go down a soft rock R&B route. Don't you let me down. At this point, I'm thinking legitimately Conway Twitty could have sang on this and I it wouldn't sound out of place <laughs> in the slightest. You know, you've got those like... Wurlitzer keyboards or whatever they're called in there and I'm and I'm thinking to myself you know I could hear this over the top of it and I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. bat an eye you know uh that's the kind of sugar papa likes is <sighs> a in a way it you know awful title but yeah <laughs> pretty cool song and it, it funnily enough this has a slightly more rocking edge to it despite being rooted in a lighter instrumentation so to speak uh easy thing now now we get to side b and side b is very ballad heavy yeah uh, so easy thing you got your 70s power ballad uh rock me baby seriously old time rock and roll vibe then you get kiss the girl goodbye acoustic ballad yeah then you get hooked on rock and roll like they they literally just alternate on side B 
between rock and roll ballad, rock and roll ballad. Yeah. But, um, which I think I enjoy side B on this more than, than side A, because like, I think easy things a pretty great song. And then hooked on rock and roll's fun vaccinated with a big troll and needle. And I'm yeah. hooked on <laughs> rock and roll. That's the thing. It, it, I do like this album, but in terms of it being a kiss record at which it, it's, it has the kiss logo, on it all of the solo albums have the kiss name associated with it and they're all yeah. in their makeup so to me they are kiss albums but obviously solo projects at the same time it's weird well i mean it's to weird. be fair like like this is what i think you would expect from peter chris because the two songs yeah. that i think he was the most known for at this point were beth and um hard luck woman yeah both softer kind of poppy songs and so this feels appropriate for peter chris yeah I, th- I still feel like it was a hard pill for fans to swallow that any member of them would do something <laughs> like this though because yeah you know I, I can't imagine the reaction of a kiss fan hearing that little synth line in track two. Oh god think, I, I love it like can you imagine it, like the dudes that had zero context that just thought, Oh, I'm a, I love all like the, you know, bashing on the drums. Fuck. Yeah. He, he'll have put out this pounding <laughs> hard hitting rock and roll, fucking really drum driven thing. And then turning it on and, you know, hearing something that would be more likely to be found on a Christopher cross record, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah you, you got, I can't stop the rain. It, and this is the third ballad on on side B. And while I didn't find this album offensively bad, I do feel like it has a slightly more background quality than maybe a more focused listen than some mm-hmm. other Kiss albums. You know, this is the kind of thing, you know, I'd put on at like a family dinner because it's 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 nice to hear. Yeah. And it's not really aggressive and stadium while you're having a I, roast roast dinner with your grandparents. I feel like <laughs> if I was a teenager in the late seventies, th- this would have been the album that my mom got into just because yeah. she wanted to share it with me. Cause my mom used to try to get into the music I was into. And for the most part, <laughs> she just thought it was noise. So I have, I have a feeling in the seventies, this would have been her album. She would have been like, Oh, I like that Peter Chris. Um, <laughs> But, Who's uh, that nice boy dressed like the cat? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, I, I can't continue the the matchups with you here at this point because for my Dang number twenty three, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just get rid of all these recent Kiss albums. My number twenty three is Monster. Wow, the most recent Kiss album, and could it be the last Kiss album? I don't really know. I don't. I haven't heard anything from them about doing any more music and, you know, really they were supposed to be on their final tour. So, I mean, I'm assuming maybe they got one more in them. Maybe they'll just do one for funsies at the end of their career. Who knows? Anyway, so this has got the same lineup as Sonic Boom, the the fake Ace and fake Peter. Um, (laughs) I guess guess it's not Ace and Peter. It's the fake Star Child, not Star Child, uh, Spaceman and Catman, but still. Um, The one thing that I have to say even though Sonic Boom and Monster are at the end of my list, I'll, I'll talk about this a lot as we talk about certain albums, 
both of these albums don't have any co-writers. Like they wrote all the songs, yeah. which is not the best thing in the world, but I give them <laughs> props for, for giving it a shot. Um, once again, there's auto tune all over this album and um, it's not as bad as, as, as on Sonic Boom, but it, I can hear it and it, it annoys the fuck out of me. Um, <laughs> this album is not awful at all, but it does have a lot of generic rock and roll qualities to it, just like Sonic Boom. Um, but if you're, if you're not looking to be like really impressed and just looking for a good time, I think Monster is a, is a good way to go. It's a, it's a pretty fun album. And I like the fact that they tried to get an old school vibe as opposed to, well, there are some rehashed sounding kind of riffs on here, but it sounds like they were more cognizant of getting the vibe right of what they were trying to do back in the seventies. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, But to some extent, the eighties as well, there's a few moments on there that could have easily been eighties kiss too. Yeah, that, yeah, that too. Um, But the one thing I will have to say um, really for both of the albums I've been talking about, but this one mostly is that um, everyone sounds really good here. Like, you know, auto tune or not the delivery, it, it, it feels energetic to me and it feels fun. It's not a bad last album. If they, it, since they really wanted to do new music with this version of the band, I, this is not a bad way to go out. It's just comparing these albums to anything done before. And considering that I'm also talking about albums that people really don't like, but to me, I'm like, now these are, these are the worst. These are the most, um, I can, I could never listen to these two albums again and I would be fine. So that's why, uh, they're my last two monster being my number 23. Um, let's, let's, let's quickly move on. We got a lot of shit to talk about. (laughs) Fair enough, dude. Um, I've got for number 22, 23. 23 no sorry 22 you're right uh, (laughs) there's so much going on and i have all these notes and i'm trying to keep track of everything (laughs) that i'm just like what number are we on fuck i'm crossing things out so i won't go back all right go ahead 22 it's our biggest project since the judas priest trilogy i I don't i don't blame you if you're a little little on edge we've got a lot to talk about a little flustered (laughs) so for my number 22 i've gone for carnival of souls all righty the final sessions. Um, <laughs> yeah. Before we begin, now, well, I have a fun game for listeners at home. Every time you hear something lifted straight from Alice in Chains on this album, <laughs> take a drink because you will get blasted in fucking no time. <laughs> And he's he's in, not lying. <laughs> and in all honesty, I did enjoy listening to this, but I had to dock it a few spaces because it does have a certain, hey, fellow kids, we're still cool aura around it. Yeah. So um, without further ado, my track by track, hate is already a massive departure from their classic sound, but uh, do I... <laughs> hate it <laughs> no i actually i actually quite like this this opening track it it's gene's voice sounds great over the top of hard hitting grungy metal and 
there's a very them bones moment right at the end where it does like a seven eight chromatic riff like i'm i'm thinking eh, someone's someone's been taking notes from the jerry cantrell handbook i see yep. yeah it's like um what, what else have we got rain now this is where it became very clear to me that they were trying to fit in but they <laughs> they did a damn fine job of replicating the sound of the era you know at least to their credit also second major alice in chains reference is the i think it's gonna rain you know <laughs> where have i heard that before you know <laughs> master and slave them bones influence once again about halfway through not, not even just music aside if you came to me and said hey i'm gonna read you some song titles hate rain master and slave what decade did this album come out i'd be like oh that's 90s for sure 100 <laughs> percent. like this it, at this point i think it was like 94 they recorded it but it didn't get released until about 97 because yeah they'd so it was in the thick of grunge madness when they were recording yeah. this that's the thing like you know i think it got shelved for a while because it didn't fit in with the 70s reunion that they were doing yeah yeah i think i think that 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 came up i think that came about because they did that unplugged show with the original members and then i think the ball just started rolling and they were just like let's just do this which in my opinion was not a bad idea at all (laughs) and that that's the thing as well i'm i'm hearing the song childhood's end and, and i'm thinking this is surreal i never thought hearing kiss play grunge would be such a mindfuck but at the same time, when I say that out loud, it is still so weird. Yeah. Um, I Will Be There doesn't take off, really, but there's some cool instrumental choices in it. Um, Jungle. Now, this has a production style so extremely similar to the Alice in Chains self-titled 95 tripod album. And I know it's a Kiss podcast, but it's immensely hard to ignore the massive Alice in Chains influence over this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Even the production style of the album sounds like the tripod album by Alice in Chains. Exactly. And the vocal harmonies too. They've got that kind of weird, creepy thing going on that Lane and Jerry were known for doing. Yep. Uh, in my head. That's the worst. That is yeah. the worst <laughs> offender of the Alice in Chains ripoff. Like I was gonna say, this is <laughs> this is an Alice in Chains album at this point with Paul and Gene on vocals, and it, it, uh, did they work with the same producer that did Tripod? I think the guy that mixed it was the guy that also mixed um, a Tripod. I think I'm not I'm not totally sure because if if you took Lane and Jerry and put them over the top of these tracks. It'd be fucking Alice in Chains. It's so insanely close. Oh, okay, no, so Toby Wright was the producer of Alice in Chains and this album, so yeah. Holy shit. So wow. yeah, that's why That's why they just literally said, hey, just keep all the presets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to come right in and do that. Actually, really, this would have been slightly before, because wasn't 95? Maybe they were recording it around the same time. I was going to say, yeah. Oh, this is so interesting. I just want to, now I want to get in and, because I heard a, I'm going to jump in real real quick. I I heard an interview 
an interview with, um, I can't remember his name, but the guy that I believe he was an engineer on this album or mixed it or something like that. And he was relaying a, a conversation that he was having with Gene Simmons, where Gene Simmons um, admitted to him that he wanted to be the next Billy Corgan. Wow. He, he wanted to sound like Billy Corgan from Smashing <laughs> Pumpkins, for those of you who don't know. And so if that gives you any idea of what may have been going on in that studio, it would not surprise me if they were recording around the same time as Alice in Chains and they were just like, we, we like that sound too. Just keep that shit going. It sounds way too fucking close to yeah. not to, to be a coincidence. Um, what, where, where am I at? Uh, it never goes away. This honestly could have been a seriously respected album in mid-90s grunge if it wasn't the fact that Kiss made it. <laughs> you know, a band that wore makeup and neon colors wore more of it than and the it women at their shows. Had previously you know? done songs with lyrics like, put your hand in my pocket and grab onto yeah. my rocket. Is <laughs> <laughs> I find it so hilarious that as well because aren't the Melvins big Kiss fans as well? Yes, they are. Yeah, because they did a cover. I mean, of, really, of any Blind. band that's worth a damn is a Kiss fan. I'm sorry, it's some, yeah. in some way somebody <laughs> in that band is a Kiss fan. True. Yeah, it's 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 just such a a wild thing reading through these notes and just knowing. I'm 100% right about this because <laughs> <laughs> I've I've heard so much Alice in Chains and I can categorically say this is like they found the formula and they were just like oh we've got our hands on, on a on a new style we can play around with uh I confess Phoebe Rocker uh in the mirror you know this sounds like something off revenge but played through Soundgarden's rig <laughs> You know, <laughs> I I walk alone has some cool moments on it. Uh, all in all, this album has moments that really grab me for a bit, but there's a lot of stuff where it just doesn't draw me in. Yeah, but hearing so much Alice in Chains influence on a Kiss album is like visiting a parallel universe, and I like it for that reason. Even yeah. if it does feel a little bit disingenuous. Mm -hmm. It's still cool to hear Gene Simmons over the top of grunge, you know? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting listen. And um, if you're keeping notes at home, this is our second matchup. Hey! Um, my number 22 <laughs> is also Carnival of Souls. And I love this because you say a lot of the things that I want to say. Um, this is the last album that has Bruce Kulick on it. Yes. Um, and it's also the last of their um, No Makeup era. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, and honestly, like it, I carnival of souls, it's all it, that the title of that, if this album has always been interesting to me because it sounds like it doesn't fit the music, like that yeah. should be a kiss album title. This album to me should be called kiss versus the nineties. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it is, that's definitely what it is. And it's unfortunately to me, like it does have some cool riffs here and there. And I like the overall vibe of it. But if this wasn't a Kiss album, it would be one of those dollar bin grunge also ran bands album that's in, you know, you would, you find it 
with the cutout in it and and, and people are like oh i've never heard this it's it's just it, it doesn't there's nothing unique about this at all and <laughs> i agree with you that in the in the story of kiss because when it comes to discographies, as I always talk about, I like bands that have an interesting story within where their albums go and how how they approach them. So I like that album just for that because it's not the same old shit. They did something different. Um, I wouldn't say they took a chance because they didn't they didn't legitimately release this. Like it got released as an album, but I, as from what I've gathered, they only really released it because it got leaked. Yeah, and there was they, a shitload of bootlegs that got handed out, and they were like, oh, crap, they're stealing our music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they were like, you know, so, we're going to release biggest, it. Yeah, my biggest issue with this album is the fact that while I love bands that experiment and and push their sound, this does not sound like an organic experiment. To no. me, this sounds like a desperate attempt to fit in somewhere with the music that was going on. It sounds heavy handed as fuck. And, you know, it's just a band trying to survive, which you could say that other albums they've done in the past were an attempt to, you know, survive or to adapt to what was going on in the music world. But all of the other ones they did to me feel when it comes to kiss, they feel organic and they make sense. This one just feels like they were grasping at a, at straws and, you know, let's yeah. try this grunge one. Um, so to me, it's it's hard to listen to. Plus, it's long, like so yeah. many albums from that era. It's so long. And it's and there's really there's no fun. You want to come to a Kiss album to have fun? It's and, it's it's funny, actually. I, I saw a bunch of like interviews and stuff where. You could tell Gene was way more into it than Paul because Paul <laughs> was kind of like, you know, the dark sound kind of fit with Gene's demon persona, but like the seriousness of it didn't gel with Paul because he was like, we're rich. What are we going to write doom and gloom <laughs> stories about? Our fucking limo being too late, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, and and I, and and they do. I don't even know who it is, but there there are co-writers on this, so they had people working with them, and so I'm curious about were these people helping them make the grunge sound? Like, were they taking their songs and being like, "Oh no, you add this weird chord progression here, and you just turn the you do this particular setting on the distortion, and here there you go. There's your there's your grunge sound, but." Were they called um, Jerry and Lane by any chance? Because that's how it sounds. <laughs> no, I mean, there's there's one. There's a guy named Scott Van Zinn. Um, there's somebody called Curtis Cuomo. I think that might be it. No, Jamie Jamie St. James. Oh, you can actually click on that one and see who that person is. Jamie St. James. He was in a band Black called and Black Blue. and Blue. Okay. All right. Well, that's you know at least that's somebody we know. So anyway, they had people working with them, but even then, it just. I I don't know. Um, I love it for what it is, but um, I I rarely go back and visit it. It's a, it's a it's an oddity that like sometimes I'll go. I'm gonna throw that on because I'm in kind of a weird mood. And um, but other yeah. than that, it's got very little going on that I am interested in when I want to listen to Kiss. And that is why it is my number two, uh, Carnival of Souls. Right on, cool. So I have here 
At my 21, I have music from The Elder. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. Yeah. See, this one, we're, we're reaching territory now where I'm into it. You know, <laughs> you know, to, to be honest, we've been in that territory since Peter Chris, but you know, this one to me is so out of left field that it again, doesn't feel totally like kiss. Okay. You know, you know, it fanfare is an orchestral opening track, you know, I can so let's, only, let's, let's, let's give a bit of background to people that are True. listening that aren't kiss fans. So this is an album that they released. Was it 1980? 81. Um, 81. And um, it was their version of a rock opera. Yeah. Um, where it's the best way to put it. And it wasn't received well at all. Um, <laughs> and even today, people talk shit about it. Um, I am not one of those people. <laughs> but uh, but, we'll, but we'll, uh, we'll let Eddie give his, uh, his two cents on the, on the tracks here. So the oath. Sure. Remember, remember that time Kiss thought they were a fucking prog band, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm I gave it I gave it a fair, fair shot, but okay. uh, I just it I didn't quite vibe with it as much as stuff above it. Now yeah. we're, we're reaching that kind of zone. Um, so yeah, fanfare is this orchestral opening track. I can only begin to imagine the look on a Kiss fan's face at the time when they heard a fucking oboe on a Kiss album. <laughs> but, um, you know, that was kind of the vibe they were going for. But then you get Just a Boy. Holy shit, they're folk now. You know, oh, okay, you were, I was like, I was like, why is he starting with fanfare? I was like, oh, the, apparently the remastered version is in a different order. Ah. Uh, okay, go ahead. Now I know what you're doing. Ah, uh, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, just a boy, like I am just a boy. <laughs> Paul doing Paul doing those boys choir voices. It, it's it's too funny. It's it actually reminds me of Queen at points. It gives yeah. off like Flash Gordon, <laughs> but oh, in like man. medieval times, shit going on. Um, yeah. Odyssey. You know, this is worlds apart from any Kiss predating it. You know, this is it, this is like a prog opera than anything else. Um, only you. It's it's again. It's so insanely different. And this album's a real oddity in their catalog. And I can understand why it's such a divisive release. Um, Under the Rose, full on progged out stuff on here. Very Pink Floyd at points. Uh, Dark Light is the Jaws theme with a hard rock song attached to it. <laughs> See, I, I, I think that and we're, this, you'll hear this from me a lot. I think when Ace shows up on albums, they get oh, better. Oh, um, yeah. Just the riff in, in Dark Light, that... Like, it's, it's there's something about it. I'm just like, oh, it's so cool. He wrote some cool fucking riffs that didn't sound like riffs that you always heard. And, totally. Um, Dark Light's one of those songs. Uh, I'm with you on that one. Ace is my favorite Kiss member. Like same samesies, hands down. Uh, what we got here? We got uh, a world without heroes has a cool vibe to it. Really liked that uh, every one. Every time you say these, I want to sing them. A world without <laughs> heroes. <laughs> <laughs> then we then we get the oath. That there's a real hat trick of greatness in this part of the album. Admittedly, uh, this that, track the, is, the oath. The oath is originally the first song on the album. Is it? So it's weird ah. that, that they did it this way. I don't know why they did that, but okay. Hmm. 
Yeah, this this track is like full on epic metal with like chuggy riffs, soaring vocals, and even some double kick going on. Mm-hmm. And you know, I will say, had the album had more of that, it would be higher for me. You know, mm-hmm. I I liked this part of the album. Um, Mr. Blackwell has this. You're not well, yeah. Mr. Blackwell. All right. <laughs> Sorry, it's going to happen a lot. <laughs> it's got this is grooving bass from from Gene, and then it's got some you know atmospheric sections. Escape from the Island is a is a really cool escape scene soundtrack vibe. Yeah, captured that perfectly. Um, and then I is a it's a good credit song. That's this is one of those albums that ends like a movie. Yeah, and it and it feels like it's even got that like. Uh, voiceover clip thing at the end of the song that feels like an after credit scene. Yep. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm, it I'm is not a cool ta- thing. I'm not talking about this album on this episode, but I'm going to say one thing. It is one of those albums that you hear that if somebody else had made it, I think people would love it. We, yeah. People would be talking more about it as a classic, I, I believe. Yeah, for, for, for me, the main reason it was it was pushed down it's because I'm just a slut for cheesy '80s <laughs> hard rock. You, you could make the same argument that I made for Carnival of Souls, where you don't come to Kiss for this. So yeah, I, I get it. That's that's the thing. You know, Kiss have a lot of stuff that follows like a core sound, but they also have some like curveball records that are like, whoa, this is outside of their comfort zone, mm-hmm. and you either like it or you or you don't. But, uh, you know, it really, again, like I say, Sonic Boom was the only one that I had this visceral uh, kind of reaction to. <laughs> um, aside from that, the rest of them I'm, I'm pretty darn into. Cool. So, uh, yeah, that was my 21 music from The Elder. Uh, my number 21, we're not matching up again. Um, I'm still remaining in the newer era of Kiss. My number 21 is Psycho Circus from 1998. Yeah. Which is the album that ended up happening after they abandoned Carnival of Souls, got back together, well, quote-unquote, got back together with a <laughs> peace, peace and Aider. I was about to call him. <laughs> Hold on. I need a drink. He's, he needs it's not, it's dr- not alcohol he needs in juice. there. It's just water. He needs his speech juice. <laughs> Peter and Ace, yes. Um, so, yeah, they, it was the reunion album that really wasn't a reunion album because from all accounts... Um, Peter and Ace barely played on it, um, but it was for the tour they did as a as the reun the reunited Kiss with makeup back on. It was a big deal when it came out, but yeah, even when it came out, I remember hearing the album and being like, "This this isn't very good." Um, so it's kind of a reunion, and the one thing I have to say that's interesting is that it this doesn't even though they got their makeup back on, none of this feels like they're trying to do throwback music to the 70s. Yeah. It sounds like they're still trying to somehow fit in in 1998, but while writing Kiss-style songs. And maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. I feel um, like that they made they made an effort to bring their sound into the modern day of the time. Sure. And you Without know, sounding derivative of something yeah. else, I guess. But it, it really does just sound like modern Kiss-style songs. Um, but a lot of them just aren't very good songs. But it feels a little more natural to me, I guess. 
Yeah. And um, my favorite song, which, as I said, and we're going to bring this up a lot, Into the Void, the Ace song, which is, as far as I know, the only song that all four members play on on this album is Into the Void by Ace Frehley. And that song fucking rips. That is a really good song. Um, Other songs are okay, but um, really, like, it's, it's a lot of meh kind of stuff. And once yeah. again, if you're a huge Kiss fan, this is a cool album to listen to if you just want more Kiss. Um, I do agree that it is enjoyable. I think the problem I have with the album is that I want it to be a lot better. And so it's hard for me to listen to it because I just go, I can just, knowing what you know about the album, I go, God, they they had hired guns playing. They didn't really want to, yeah. they didn't really, you know, shit wasn't going well with the other two members and who knows who was the problem. And, you know, you read Ace Frehley's book and the other dudes were the problem. And if you read Paul Stanley's book, Ace and Peter were the problem. It's just, you know, it's just, it just, brings along with it all this baggage and, and it, that would be okay if it was a kick-ass album, but it's just yeah. a pretty good album. And so it's, it's another one that I don't really listen to very much because I'm like, I, it just reminds me that, oh, that didn't, that didn't happen and it's not going to happen. Like they're not even getting together with Ace and Peter on this last tour. As far as I know, maybe at their last show ever, they might do something, but it just makes me sad as a Kiss fan because yeah, you're you're a, you know, I'm a fan of those four dudes that did that first chunk of of music. As much as I think that everyone they played with was really talented, um, and you could say that Bruce Kulick is more talented than Ace Frehley, and I would be fine with that. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Um, but just listening to this, I'm just like, eh, it just sucks that it didn't work out, and so it's kind of a downer for me. And so that's why yeah. it is my number 21. Yes. Number 21. So on, right on. to your number 20. Okay, so my number 20. Uh, the album that greatly appro- improved... Uh, the album that greatly improved on Sonic Boom, Monster. Okay, cool. So I've got Monster here because it it's kind of a response to everything that didn't work about Sonic Boom to me. You know, instead of, instead of going down the route of just shitting out another Kiss album, it feels more crafted towards a a kind of vibe and career spanning kind of thing, because it does at points feel like this almost seamless modern interpretation of both their 70s and 80s era at the same time yeah and you know hell or hallelujah it has that feel wall of sound is more of a groovy track with gene on vocals but retaining that career spanning sound albeit with a modern production style freak is kind of generic modern hard rock uh back to the stone age is kind of fun um shout mercy it's like so far this album feels like kiss doing what a lot of other bands of their era have done and they've jumped on this modern interpretation of hard rock as a whole bandwagon rather than just their own sound yeah and you know there's nuggets of kiss's sound in the guitar fills that is a good way to point it what you just what you just 
put it as a, a mo- like it's because that's that's I think that's my problem with so much modern rock music, especially from your older bands, is that they all seem to be pulling out of this same generic pool of riffs and song ideas. Yeah, and it's all it's it's like the leftovers. It's like it's like the the there's all the the meat and the bones, and then there's the leftover like chicken stock yeah. or whatever, and they're <laughs> they're just pulling out of that. And yeah, it's just it's so it's such a letdown most of the time. There's this there's a chord sequence in modern hard rock that I I'll have to figure out the chords. It's so overused. I'll have to find out what it is. But I'm so sick of hearing it. I, I, can't, <laughs> I, I can't I can't place it right now. But I'll I'll look into it. But I've heard so many bands do the same thing, and you know it might have appeared on here. I. I I can't quite remember, but, um, you know, there's nuggets of Kiss's sound in the guitar fills and in the vocals, but aside from that, there's there's parts on here that sound like any other band these days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sad to admit that so many bands do this, but, you know, it, it's like you say, they are p- pulling from, the, they're all pulling from the same kind of gene pool when it comes to these songs. Um long way down has a cool vibe going on eat your heart out now yes this is the old school vibe that we like it's full-on 80s party throwback here the the drums sound great on eat your heart out uh the devil is me is a hard rocker out of this world is a stadium rock track with some serious mississippi queen influence going on there especially with the tick moments Um, all for the love of rock and roll. You know, this one has a big seventies kiss feel really like that one. Uh, take me down below (laughs) full on cock rock (laughs) at its finest. Uh, there's no subtlety in the innuendos at all. (laughs) And, uh, last chance is a hard rocker appropriately titled since this is likely to be the final kiss studio album. Considering, you know, we haven't had, a new one in nine years now. So, yeah, you know, t- unless they're going to do a, you know, psycho circus to Sonic boom gap on us again before they, but the thing is they're on their like farewell thing now, aren't they? Yeah. I guess we'll, have, we'll f- have to see. I don't know. Farewell. <laughs> I really do think that if they, if, if you know, I don't understand why they haven't started putting out all kinds of different live recordings from over the years because fans would yeah. buy them. You know, I like I think we talked about this before that if they put out a live album that, you know, took place on the Creatures of the Night tour, I'd oh, buy that yeah. shit. And I know there's got to be soundboard recordings out there. Maybe they're not up to the quality. Maybe it'd have to be a a bootleg or whatever, but I don't know. Maybe they should put out a bootleg um set of of just some these recordings aren't amazing. I don't know. I I think they would make a good amount of money off that. So maybe they should start doing that. You know, cuz they I'm sure they have so much shit in the vaults. You know, start putting that out for the fans because we all still want to hear the stuff, you know, from the from the past. And, you know, I mean, I'll I would listen to something new. I'm not sure I would even like it, but I would give it a shot. I think now that we're I think we've all we've both finished talking about the modern kiss era Um, before we leave it, I think it's important to give some props to Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer, who are both very talented people. Now, Eric Singer, he played on Revenge, right? 
I believe so. So he, we'll he talk played about on him. some songs. Wait, we'll talk about him a bit more. But even though we talk shit, and I, I hate the fact that they're wearing Ace and Peter's makeup, um, those dudes are really talented. And yeah. um and they, you know, they filled the gap when um, you know, who who else was gonna do it? You know, they weren't getting along with Ace and Peter, so it wasn't gonna work. So props to Tommy and Eric for um doing it and just you know, they 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 just they did their thing and you know, good good on them, you know. Yeah, and at at, at the end of the day, you know, it, even though the visuals are very important to Kiss's live show, at the end of the day it is still superficial and and, and it is about the music. So, you know, they do a fine fine job yeah. as, you know, drummer and lead guitarist. Cool. Well, um obviously we're not going to match up here cuz I already talked about Monster, but <laughs> I'm going to make my first, it might be an unpopular ranking. Oh. Um, but uh, we're going to go back to 1978 for my number 20. And oh. we're going to be talking about my least favorite of the solo albums. And that is the Gene Simmons solo <laughs> album. <laughs> yeah. It is It's rough. fucking weird. It's rough. It's- yeah. Um, and, and like we talked about the Peter Chris one already, I enjoy the Peter Chris one. Not to be fair, we're also getting into a, 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 a level of albums here where I love all these albums. Yeah. Like I, I own a lot of them on vinyl. I haven't gotten a lot of the later ones yet, but, um, even though I do enjoy listening to this album, it's the one that out of the solo albums that I I I'm, I look at it and go I I'm not I don't want to do this. It feels I feel kind of dirty. Yeah, <laughs> it, it has a weird creepy vibe to it. Yeah, it, there are. I'm gonna mention this in in my notes later, but Gene, whenever he tries to do something sensual, oh. <laughs> it comes off in it, it. I don't know what it is. There's just something about the delivery there that's like. Okay, please stop touching me. Yeah, Gene, <laughs> yeah. Gene Simmons is one of those people. Um, <laughs> Sorry, ne- Gene. <laughs> next to next to like Ted Nugent, that I don't understand why women haven't come out talking about horrible things he did. Well, I think some did <laughs> about Gene Simmons, but I don't think they were anything that you know. Obviously, he didn't get canceled or whatever. So it's yeah, it, it wasn't anything like that. But if anyone was going to be the Bill Cosby of Kiss, I would expect it to be Gene Simmons. No offense, Gene, because I love Gene, but he does... There's a vibe, even on the early stuff. Some lyrics I just go... Like, all the way back to Christine 16. I'm just like... (laughs) He's a a little bit too far. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that's part of his character, I guess. Because I don't know how much is the demon and how much is the Gene... You know? Yeah. I, th- I I think, like, isn't there an interview somewhere that air- aired on TV? It's on YouTube. And he walks on and they say, hey, Gene, how you doing? And I'm great. And there's a lot of necks and cheeks out there. Like, <laughs> really tasty tonight. <laughs> you know? It's like, God. Wow. I feel like that was more performance art than anything else, but Oh yeah. <laughs> but there's there's maybe that's what it is that adds a level of creepiness to this album, but 
to me, it's also the most uninteresting because I feel like the other three guys made unique albums that, and, and Gene Simmons album feels like he wasn't quite sure what he was going for. It's and very, it's very hybrid. There's a lot of weird mashup stuff going on here. Yeah. And I guess maybe if, if that goes along with his taste, because some people do have really varied tastes yeah, And so maybe he was being true to himself there, but as a listener, it's very uneven and some songs are cool. Other ones are kind of whatever. Um, I don't know why he re-recorded see you in your dreams because it's not any better than the version on rock and roll over. And so it's just weird. And then at, on top of that, the cover of when you wish upon a star, it, it is, it is, I it, I don't even I don't even think a word exists to describe my reaction every time I hear it. It's like a <laughs> it's like it's like um I don't know. It's like feeling like you like seeing a dead naked woman on the road. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's a weird creepy yet very interesting uncomfortable cover of when you wish upon a star. Yeah. I don't, that was the worst thing. I don't think that made very much sense, but it, you get the vibe. It's, it doesn't, there's nothing overtly creepy about it at all. It just has this vibe of, 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 of I don't know, a, a, a serial murderer, a serial murderer <laughs> singing this from his van, you know, oh like God, come in yeah. when you wish. And I'm just, oh God, no. It's like, He's wearing like a skin suit of all his victims. <laughs> <laughs> when you wish upon a star. It's, it's just, oh. I, I, I don't know. It, 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 it gives me so many weird emotions that I, I will just stop the album before that song happens. But it's not, I'm, I'm being a little harsh on it, but um, it's it's not an awful album. It's 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 a fun listen. It's seventies era Kiss, and so I enjoy that aspect of it. But out of the four, it is the one where I'm just like, nah, I I'll listen to something else. <laughs> I will I will say I, w- I will say there's an element to it, like you say, where it's not it's not really a heavy album either. Like there's a lot of very soft stuff on here, but that paired with like the artwork. I think it's scarier this way because it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow, this guy didn't just go down the heavy route. This guy went down the mentally unhinged. What the fuck is going on? Route. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but yeah. Gene Simmons makes people feel things. So, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, sometimes they're not pleasant, but, um, but I mean, but yeah, the, honestly, before I went back and listened to all the albums, like all together, um, I probably wouldn't have been as harsh with this record, but in context with everything else, when I heard this, yeah. I'm, I was just like, yeah, this is, there's a lot of things that I don't really like about this album. So that's why it's the, it's the, it's the dead last of the seventies era kiss for me. Um, or, you know, original, um, lineup of kiss, but I'll, I guess the lineup doesn't play on here anyway. Um, fun fact, um, uh, Katie Siegel, who was in the show Married with Children sings backup on this album. And Joe Holy Perry shit. Joe Perry plays guitar on a couple songs from Aerosmith. That's a, you would think that I would like that aspect of it, but you know, it's not enough. I thought I recognized that voice 
Oh my god! Yeah, yeah I can, def- you can, you can, I can definitely. You can definitely. Her out on there. I can pick her out. I can pick her out. I can hear her voice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn. I thought it sounded familiar. That's so there you, insane. So there you go. Or yeah. So it's a. It's a. You know. It's a. It's a fun record. It's just. It's. It's. It's got its rough moments that drag it down. Can I? Can I? I was gonna save this for my notes on the album, but I. Th- I think I should say it here. Okay. I know you write me sexy letters. Oh <laughs> okay, don't don't ever do that again. That moment on the album was what tipped me over the edge. I had a I, do, do you know, these were my exact this was my exact reaction. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I was in stitches, pissing myself laughing at that point because I thought, what? I mean, maybe maybe he's just a genius and he's wanting to create that kind of vibe. I mean, maybe let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Like somewhere he's listening to this, laughing his ass off, knowing it worked, you know? <laughs> Eddie from Cranked and Ranked was very unnerved about the whole thing. <laughs> he has he has like he has like a bull, uh, a chart of all the people in the world, and once they get once <laughs> yeah. they become uncomfortable by him, he puts a check mark next to them. He's just like another one down. I don't think I've ever seen a an, an interview with Gene Simmons that didn't give me secondhand social anxiety. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's just something about the dynamic that just makes me that just makes me crack up. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um so I guess that brings me to uh number nineteen my number num- number nineteen. I've gone for Psycho Circus. Alright. Now here's something as well I kind of picked up on they did Carnival of Souls and then they did Psycho Circus. So I don't know whether or not they had like kind of an idea for Carnival of Souls to have that kind of theme. But then again, that was like kind of an afterthought. And they thought, ah, shit, we kind of blew our carnival theme on the last one. <laughs> oh, what's another word for that? Oh, circus? Yeah, we can de- we'll use that. Um, yeah, so, yeah. but there's with so many bands when they got older. I mean, Motley Crue is one of them. Everything became like circus. It's yeah. a circus, which like it's not the kind of circus I want to go to because it's just filled <laughs> with white trash people. <laughs> there really was like there was there really was a boom of like big top tent themed like rock acts at one point. I'm yeah. sure of it. Mm-hmm. Like. That was a trend. That was definitely a trend. That is a thing that uh, if you're a rock band, just leave circuses behind. It's been done to death. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, with that, I'm going to go into the track by track. So opening with Psycho Circus, great opening song. I, I really like this. Um, also, the video is hilariously late 90s, and I sent it to you. And I can't take my mind off the fact that it looks like a bowling alley screen when you get a strike. <laughs> you know, it has those same exact graphics going on. It's, it's like kind of, yeah, it's CG and you can see what's going on, but it feels off. Like there's yeah. something f- weird about it, and it's kind of cool. But um, within, you know, I'll be honest, these first two tracks fucking rule. 
yeah, you know, I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll. Kind of a wordy title there, but <laughs> yeah, I find it hard to argue with it. You know, there's elements I'm not too hot on, but that chorus is rad. Um, Into the Void, Ace yeah. Freely, baby. That's such a good Gone. song. Hell yeah. Uh, we Are One, the ballad track, it's okay. Uh, you Wanted the Best. Now, this is more like it. I love that all the members sing on it. Um, Raise Your Glasses gave me Enough Is Enough vibes. Uh, Fly High Michelle oh, has yeah. the same chord sequence, and I'm thinking, that, that's that's cool. Um, I Finally Found My Way, you know, a 90s power ballad. You know, get the tissues, guys. Peter's on the mic. Um, <laughs> Dreaming as has my favorite chord sequence. Yes, please. My favorite chord sequence is the Dirty Diana slash Iron Maiden progression. So uh, that always gains anything more points. Um, and Journey of a Thousand Years is just this big epic track closing out the album. There's a vibe around this album that kind of makes me happy that you know they came full circle and they did do a reunion you know even if i was a, I, I was too young to appreciate it when it happened yeah but um yeah it 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 does make me sad that it didn't work out because i like seeing those four guys having a good time i don't know what it is you you kind of like you see you see footage of bands in like interviews and stuff and they just kind of all look like a like a bunch of dysfunctional brothers and you're yeah. just kind of there like Oh, I kind of want those guys to make a sitcom, you know. <laughs> yeah. Plus, would... there's 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 something to be said about four guys going. They're the only four guys that went through that kiss thing, and yeah. not not only that, very few people in the history of the world have gone through the experience of being one of the four people in one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah. Like, like there was a almost a Beatlemania kind of thing behind them in the States. Oh, totally. And and so there's a part of me that goes, like those guys seem unique because they were the only ones that went from being a nothing band with a really big idea to actually being a really big band. And so I just think that it makes them that's why it makes them the the kiss lineup for me as much as i enjoy the 80s kiss i just i like those four dudes and how they played and what they did and their their dynamics and how they played off of each other um i just love it and so yeah it is it is sad that it doesn't work out for them there's a there's an episode of uh family guy that's solely based on peter and lois going to a kiss concert and they go and it turns out Lois isn't really a, a big fan of Kiss. She just did it to make Peter happy. But anyway, they go and they hand her the mic during rock and roll all night. And she goes, and have a wonderful time. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, ah, oh, this whole rock thing is dead to me now. And Gene and Paul um, storm off stage. And then Ace and Peter just jump out and say, now's our time to shine. And they start like singing show tunes and stuff. <laughs> it's just hilarious. It is, it is funny to watch. But um, they had a lot of kiss jokes on that. And they voiced themselves yeah. too. So it's... Um, that is one thing that I have to say is that it, it seems like those dudes, uh, uh, Paul and Gene mostly, um, they have a good sense of humor, I think, about themselves. For sure. And so yeah. that... That makes it a little bit better when you know that they're they're okay with 
being you know poked fun at a little bit and i mean it's i mean it it's, it makes sense for sure yeah I, and we've said it before on the show we we love bands that have the capacity to not take themselves too super seriously you know yeah. especially when a band can turn around and sell air guitar strings which is just an empty bag with the kiss brand <laughs> on it yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, they do take themselves very seriously in some aspects when it comes to managing their bank accounts. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, so that, that was 19, Ron number 19. Yeah. So my number 19, I'm going to stay exactly where I was and talk about an album you already talked about. My number 19 is the Peter Chris solo album. Hey, here we go. And um, at first, I thought this one was going to be the lower of the two between this one and Gene Simmons. But going back and listening to them, the thing that makes this an album that I enjoy is the fact that it sounds honestly like Peter Chris. Like, there is yeah. no other album that Peter Chris could have made. I feel like this is the kind of shit he liked to play and sing. And um, I, I agree, it's pretty bland especially compared to kiss everything happening in the seventies with kiss. This is the most bland of the kiss offerings. Um, but, um, I guess it's in hindsight, it's got a cool seventies vibe to it. And the thing that I like about it, and this could be seen as an insult to the album, but I think it makes it enjoyable. There was a time period and it wasn't just in the seventies, but I think it started in the seventies where, all sorts of dudes from TV shows started making albums. Like, yeah. I'm the guy that plays the cop on this show. Here's my album. <laughs> and that's what this album sounds like. It sounds like a TV star <laughs> made an album. And so it's like, it's just soft enough for the middle-aged women who watch the TV show to still be into yeah. it, but also a little bit rock and roll. So they'll <laughs> be like, oh, he's a bad boy. <laughs> and so, um, but that makes me like it. I like, cause that seems like Peter Chris, like he seemed like a kind of a softy, not in a bad way, but I mean, but yeah, I think that, um, it's fun and interesting just because it feels so 1978 and, um, that's really all I have to say about it. It's, it's, it's got songs on it that I enjoy and some songs that I don't, uh, but it's a, it's a cool altogether. It's a cool, they're all cool pieces of the the Kiss solo album puzzle. I think that each one of them is important in some way, but when you're ranking things, it's a, it becomes a little different Then you have to be a little bit honest about stuff. And um, so there you go. There you go. My number 19 is the Peter Chris solo album. Cool. So I'm, I'm going to keep this uh, train a rolling with the solo albums because my number 18 is the Gene Simmons. <laughs> I feel uh, like we've talked one. enough about it, but let's <laughs> let's jump right back in, ladies. I, ladies, here's where you take a break because <laughs> yeah, Unc Uncle Gene is back. See, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've got Radioactive begins like this kind of soundtrack before going into an upbeat rock and roll and kiss song. Burning up with fever, you got you know now this this is the type of song I was expecting from this album that plodding groovy strip riffage. Yeah. Uh, see you tonight surprisingly soft for the member whose costume is a fucking demon the you guy know, this, that vomits blood <laughs> yeah and, and breathes fire you know this has more in common with you know the beatles than the god of fucking thunder yeah you know 
ton of love chorus bass fuck yeah love chorus on bass um true confessions rock and roll and kiss track but i gotta say you know i was expecting something heavier from this album considering the album art and you know gene gene's demon character as a whole you know this song feels more like leonard skinner and you know i like him but it's weird thinking of a demon singing southern rock you know (laughs) yeah um you're living in sin you know the intro to the it left me in fucking i was on the floor crying laughing at that fucking i know you write me sexy letters <laughs> thing that i it just took me so off guard and the fact he kept doing that heavy breathing thing i can't imagine anyone in the studio trying to keep a straight face while he recorded that how do you do, do, you do want that? To know, speaking of that, do you know something that I don't know? I'm a big Kiss fan, but I, I, I guess I haven't <laughs> read enough about them when, because they were always very secretive about their identities around yeah. up, up until a certain point. Did, did they wear makeup during studio sessions when they had studio musicians? Like for these solo albums, they had all these studio musicians. Did those people just get to see them in their street clothes or did they separate them from each other? I, there's got to be a book out there about this. If anybody's listening to this in, on YouTube, put, put in the comments a good book about that because I'm interested in how that whole thing worked. That's the thing, right? I can't begin to imagine a world where Kiss wouldn't have worn the makeup because they just seem so involved in the process and like all of the, all of the world building and stuff around all the things they did. Yeah. It, it just strikes me as something incredibly... It, that's why when they took the makeup off, it was such a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And and you would read stuff like I remember reading um, in in a book about Rush, and Rush is talk. Rush played a lot of shows with Kiss in the early days, and they yeah. talked about how they'd be hanging out backstage after the show, and Kiss is still in their makeup. And yeah. So I'm like, shit, man. They were it was the long game for those guys. <laughs> and they'd wear it in like interviews and shit too. So yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming. Maybe in, in, in this case, especially when there was a lot of outsiders playing with him, maybe he did at least wear the face makeup or something. <laughs> maybe he didn't wear the I'd, platform shoes. I don't know. I'd love to imagine that like one day they, they didn't, it wasn't even makeup anymore. It was just their face. So they wake up <laughs> they've worn and they're in like a, so much. They're like, they're like in, in like dressing gowns and bathrobes, pouring themselves cups of coffee in the morning. And it's like six o'clock in the morning and they've got the entire stage get up on. <laughs> but um, yeah, it'd be so fucking funny to see that. Um, wh- where was I at? I've, you I've got were always... at, um, you had just done Living in Sin, I think. Right on. Always near you slash nowhere to hide. It's this, you know, big cinematic, soulful sounding track. Also, I had no idea you could sing that high. Like yeah, he's got he's got a crazy range, but he stays in this. Yeah, well, know? he's got there's there's some stuff, especially I think when you get into the '80s, where he did start to play around with a higher range a little bit. Not not all the time, but here and there he did. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, Man of a thousand faces, you can, you can really feel that like kind of '60s influence running through this album, on top of some '70s tropes as well. Uh, you know, by that, I mean, I hear some Beatles isms. Also, the chorus sounds like Baba O'Reilly and or ain't seen nothing yet. You know, that bomb, <laughs> bomb, bomb yeah. kind of thing. Um, Mr. Make Believe again, really soft for Gene, but 
you know, who am I to take away his right to explore on his solo album? But, like, See You in Your Dreams, I put in my notes, totally forgetting that it is a Kiss song, I put, actually sounds like a Kiss song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it fucking is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, finally, you get When You Wish Upon a Star, a cover of the Disney classic, and of all the things that they th- he threw at me on this record... He has the audacity to top it off with this cherry on the cake. <laughs> I look at the artwork. I see a demon with uh, blood dripping down his lip. Yeah. And he's looking at me all sinister. And all of a sudden I hear, When you wish upon a star. I'm the, what? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> but, you know, that's just... He's a kooky character. Depending and, on how uh, you're looking at it, it could be a genius move that he made there. <laughs> yeah. He puts, puts the gene in genius, man. Yeah. I'm sure that's not Hell the first yeah. time that's been said. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, I, I this is... The, okay, so now I'm on to my number 18. We got two... Well, Well, I got two more albums to talk about on this episode, but I feel like this is where you and I probably will really start to pull away from each other. I think (laughs) knowing what I know about you, I think this is going to happen. So my number 18, um, I guess I'll name it and then I'll start talking about my, my, how I got here. Uh, my number 18 is the album animalize from 1984. So with the eighties kiss stuff, like you said, it feels like a different band or at least an alternate universe version of a band. Yeah. If you're if I'm taking them on their own merit, there are things that I enjoy about them. But then put up next to classic kiss, the the holes start appearing in everything. And animalize out of all of their non-makeup 80s stuff, this is the weakest album that they did. Not but I'm not even talking about production-wise because it sounds good. Like they yeah. had a good eighties rock sound going on. And I think this is the only album that has Mark St. John as the lead guitarist. Yeah. And, um, this also has the, uh, the pleasure of being a, an album that has a song that I like to refer to as the bathroom song, because I would watch headbangers ball when I was a kid and there were, you know, Sometimes, you know, you would wait for the commercial to go to the bathroom, but other times a song would come on and you'd go, oh, I'm going to go use the bathroom. And I knew it was time to go to the bathroom when you would see Paul Stanley show up and his hands are on fire and he's going, (laughs) (laughs) and that was the heavens on fire video. And I hated that song. I love it now. But it always reminds me of me going, oh, time to go to the bathroom or go get a soda (laughs) or something else because I'm not watching Heavens. I don't know why, even into the 90s, they would would play Heavens on Fire so much when there was even stuff from Revenge happening, but you would still (laughs) see the Heavens on Fire video. And so, but that's really one of the biggest standout points on this album. Now, this is, we're, we're, we're thigh deep in the pool of, of a kiss with co-writers era of the band. Yeah. Uh, pretty much every song except for one, two, two, two songs 
have co-writers, which I honestly don't have a lot of a problem with that because bands like Aerosmith did it, but they ended up turning out some really good songs. There are songs that are written by them with co-writers that are not good. And I'm like, well, what is the fucking point? Do it, write a <laughs> shitty song yourself. And so the biggest example of that for me is the song. Well, no, this song does not have a co-writer. Burn, Bitch, Burn uh, by burn, Gene Simmons. Bitch, so here's why. So here, I'm going to talk to you as songwriter to songwriter because we've both written songs before. Okay. Doesn't that sound like they just ran out of lyrics on the fucking chorus? Burn, bitch, burn. Ooh. <laughs> it's just, they it's, like, oh, shit. It's, it's the most yeah. throwaway part of a song I've ever heard because it it they actually wrote a melody for something to happen there, and yet it's just a woo, and I'm just yeah. I, every time I hear it, I go, that is a, a complete waste of of space <laughs> on this album. <laughs> but now that I'm looking at it, it's written by Gene Simmons solely. But um, still. I guess that's why they needed some help because they, when they wrote songs <laughs> on their own, they had shit that just, they filled empty space with some woos. Um, but let's, let me get on the positive side of things real quick. I love the vibe of this album because it feels like an eighties rock album. And you and I love that eighties rock sound and it's fun. This is a fun album. It's just yeah. out of that era of kiss. This is the least fun of those albums for me. And um, really, the, the problem is the vibe is good. The songs are not as good as the vibe. And um, I yeah. can see that. It's got a lot of generic songwriting. It's got a lot of songs that, you know, earlier we're talking about the, the you know, Peter Chris album and whatnot. And I'm singing because it immediately makes me remember how the song goes. I don't know how Get All You Can Take goes. And I've heard Animalize probably 50 times. And I'm like, Get All yeah. You Can Take, which. Which song is that? <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> it's just a whole bunch of songs that are forgettable. And then you, you end this album with a song title that I think every band in the 80s wrote a song with a version of this song title, Murder in High Heels. I feel like every <laughs> 80s band had some sort of evil in high heels or, or bitch in high heels, whatever it was. I feel like it's just... Go ahead and just, you know, the, the 80s rock song generator, Murder in High Heels, is going to come out at some point. I'm just going to say this now as well. I can think of about five other... I, I'm going to put myself on the spot here. How many, you know, from the same album, how many 80s hard rock and glam metal songs do you know that are called Under the Gun? Oh, uh, not not just glam. Not, I mean, not a, a yeah. lot. There's a lot of songs called "Under the Gun." There's one by that. Obviously, there's one by Kiss. There's one by Danger Danger. There's one by Lita Ford. There's one by. I'll have to think, but you know, there's there's a lot. I've seen a fair amount. <laughs> there are some of those those phrases. What do you call those when it's like a phrase that is used a lot? Um, uh, I don't know. We're, we're I'm not that kind of smart person. <laughs> here's. Here's the thing as, as well. Here's a, here's a pretty egregious thing it, from the 80s hard rock song titling generator. Putting in the night on the <laughs> end of anything. <laughs> because I can think of, you know, thrills in the night. You know, turn on the night. Thief in the night. You know, just diverging here a minute. Crazy nights. It, crazy nights. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> crazy, crazy you, nights. You you look at you look at 
the last two tracks on Crazy Nights, and it's a diversion, but Turn On The Night and then Thief In The Night. Yeah, one comes right after the other. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's there's a whole lot of like not trying very hard in a lot of this music. It's it's just this is good enough, and I've almost I, to to the point where I feel like the actual performing of the songs and the production of the songs took way more talent than the actual writing. <laughs> like they were just doing it on the side while they were watching TV or something. But anyway, so but that being said, you know. Like I said early in this podcast episode, um, I love this band, but I also am very critical of them, but in a in a loving way, because I love Animalize. It's a really fun album to listen to, but once again, stacked up against uh, all the other shit we haven't talked about, it comes up short for me, and so that's why it is my number 18. Cool. Now, I have, I have a question now it, with regards to the system that this show operates on, uh, my number 17 could change. Seeing as seeing, seeing as we are on, I, uh, I'm going to be honest. I did have ample opportunity to prep for these episodes, (laughs) but I, but I still have like a few albums left to properly rank further up. But, I feel like this is such a controversial placement that it could get bumped up into next episode's section of the list. And it could, could I do a switcheroo if it's the same band, if we're still covering the same band? So I will allow you to do that just, just for these crossovers, 17s and 16s, where we're leaving off. I, I'm, I, I'm not, my, my list is solidified for the most part. So I'm not going to be doing that, but yeah, I'll allow you (laughs) because I mean, there's no rules. We make up the fucking rules here. And in the end, it's all about just talking (laughs) about these albums. So if you decide to change your ranking next time, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting, but then we have to talk about an extra album next time. Oh yeah. Well, what, what I'll do is if I talk about my, my 17 now, then I'll, um, just do the old switcheroo next time and I'll, okay. I'll cover the I'll cover the other album that goes in its place to swap it. I will allow that. Cool. You've all it, you it, th- thank you all for listening to our meeting. <laughs> <laughs> it might it it might not even change. I just feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable seeing this at such a low place. I think this is when shit starts to get interesting. All right. So let's let's yeah. hear your number seventeen then. Cool. So my number seventeen. I'm gonna bite the bullet on this one. I'm gonna say dress to kill. All right. Okay. 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 So like it, it, this album, and I've heard it said in other areas, it, there is a certain rushed quality to it. There Mm -hmm. are classic songs on it, but, uh, there's, it's not got like an abundance of solos as far as I can remember. Um, and it's, it's, everything feels very brief on this album and the album is very brief as well. It's very in and out within a half hour. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go straight for it. So room service, fun, upbeat song, two timer, slower groover, you know, me likey, uh, ladies in waiting, fun, good time, rock and roll song, get away. Yeah. It's got a very upbeat feel, you know, to its credit. Uh, it does have like, it does feel a little unfinished in some areas. Yeah. Uh, rock, rock bottom is half a cool mysterious instrumental acoustic guitar track 
before going into the rock and roll and vibe of this record. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very consistent to its credit. Yeah, for, um, for those of you who don't know, this is a 1975 album. Yeah, uh, 1975. Yeah. This was the third Kiss album. And at this point, even though they had done three albums, they had not yet broken big yet. They were still you know, trying to work their way up to the top. So they were putting out albums, I think... They did two in a year, and then this this one in I think did two in seventy four, and then one in seventy five. Like they were they were knocking them out. Yeah, well, they had. That's why they say Alive is what broke the band because like a lot of people's opinions on Kiss are formed on you know the basis that it's actually the definitive versions of the, some of these studio tracks are actually to be found on the Alive albums. Yeah, because they're just such great. It, great at capturing the the vibe of the live show but yeah, yeah uh come on and love me is is a nice and sexy acoustic led fun track yeah mm-hmm. it's it it's very fun it's very fun anything for my baby great fun she heavy groove always love that mm-hmm. love for all i can it's just more great rock and roll um now rock and roll all night closing track is the song that people think of when Kiss comes up. It's easily the, easily the best known Kiss song. 100%. But it, it's it's weird. I think it's not the most played on Spotify, which is astonishing to me. Which and one I'm would gonna, be the most played on Spotify? I think it's I Was Made For Loving You, strangely. <laughs> Let's have a look here. Yeah, Rock and Roll All Night has 212 million plays i was made for loving you has 335 million plays so that that goes to show you that the power of negativity also draws people to listen to your shit so yeah on one hand you have one song with like it's everyone loves this song and then the other one is everybody hates this song because it's the disco song and more people (laughs) flock it's like the the modern era it's like people becoming viral it's not always because they're they're good. <laughs> Sometimes it's it's for the peop- the shit that people hate. I will say as as well, there's something cool about looking at their top most played. I don't think I, I think two of them are from Destroyer, and the rest are all from totally different albums. So it shows that there's strong songs in everything they ever did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. I I agree. Yeah. So um, you know, Dress to Kill. It doesn't feel as complete to me as some other Kiss albums. Honestly, yeah. I, I love Dress to Kill, but it is an album that when I see it lower down on lists, I'm like, yeah, I get it. It makes sense. It's kind of like the British steel of their catalog, where it's like, yeah, it's got the iconic track on it, but it's also got a lot of albums that are better than it as well. Yeah, so yeah, I would agree. Um, that is not my number 17 um i'm um, excited we're, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up still in the 80s uh oh. and we're but we're gonna be moving up a year to 1985 my number 17 is the album asylum hey which is the first album i believe with bruce kulik on guitar yeah and um it's still got the big 80s vibe just like animalize honestly sonically it's very similar i was to gonna animalize. say there's very, very little separating the two <laughs> Yeah, and they still got the co-writers helping them out here. I think there are better songs on here, though. 
Just yeah. just the singles alone, you're, uh, Who Wants to Be Lonely and Tears Are Falling and Uh All Night. There's another night yeah. for you. Yeah, um, oh, my God. Rock and roll all night. Holy rock shit. and roll all night, yep. Um, there's a there's there's still a good amount of forgettable songs on here. I don't know how Love's a Deadly Weapon goes, just thinking about it off the top of my head. Um, but it's, you know, I've heard this album also a lot. And I feel like it gets by on its vibe a lot more than it does on its songs. Um, yeah. But um, it's really not that much different from Animalize, except for I think that it has, it just got a higher percentage of good songs, in my opinion. And honestly, with these albums, I don't have a lot to say about them because I didn't listen to them a lot because I didn't get into Kiss until Crazy Nights came out, which is after this album. And then later on in my life, I listened a lot to the 70s era Kiss and even up until uh, like uh, Creatures of the Night and stuff like that. I didn't listen to these albums a lot. And so I don't have a lot of a, a lot of a history with them except for seeing the music videos and putting them in with a lot of the other 80s song, uh, albums that I love. Like if I want to go listen to some cool 80s rock albums like uh, Animalize and Asylum are in that bunch that I'm like, oh, I'm going to go listen to these. And so that's one thing when you know people would make the claim that they were you know, jumping on a bandwagon for popularity. But I'm like, well, it doesn't feel that far removed from 70s Kiss. It's still big rock music that's fun. And it doesn't feel like Carnival of Souls. It feels natural that they wanted to make this more polished, um, upbeat kind of version of, I guess, less rockin' in certain ways, I guess you could say. (laughs) Um, But, um, yeah, not a lot to say about Asylum. It's, it's, It's good. If you like, that's the thing. If you like that glam metal sound of the eighties, then Asylum's great. But um, yeah, aside from that, it doesn't have a whole lot going for it, in my opinion. I do. Um, yeah, it's around the time that you know Paul Stanley was wearing a lot of flowy, colorful outfits and <laughs> things like that. Um, but yeah, it's an era era of men's fashion that I wish never ended. <laughs> and I could just, I could just walk around in like bright neon tiger print spandex and well you just, still can sir like you can uh, feel free to be I still, yourself i still do i still do there's just a certain level of uh getting laid i wouldn't get <laughs> <laughs> actually no, that's that, true actually I'm, I'm with a i'm with a uh lovely young lady and she's into the glam thing so that's that's awesome well, there you go. But, uh, See, so you can't go ahead and I'm sure you have spandex somewhere in your in your closet. I, I am not <laughs> denying a thing. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I'm one of those people that I have like all these different versions of the same outfit in my closet. And that's it. <laughs> like it's all black pants with black shirts and they're all the same. Like once I find a pair of jeans or shirt that I like, I buy like five of them and then I just line them up in a row. <laughs> and then that's it. It's it, I don't have to think about it anymore. The next time I do a glam metal history, I'm going to go all out with the outfit. I have zebra trousers in in there. I've got cowboy boots. I've got I actually have like a like a permed out wig that I'll probably wear for it. Do you have a mesh top? I need a mesh top. Okay, that's, that's very I do need. very important. <laughs> 
All right. Well, there we go. We've we've uh, we've reached the end of part one of our three part kiss ranking. This has been fun. I'm honestly really looking forward to the next two. Um, for those of you who are Kiss fans that are along with us, I'm sorry if we or if I talked a lot of shit, but um, <laughs> it's coming from a place of love. Kiss is a band that I love. Um, I, I I I get really mad when people because there's assumptions that people make about Kiss. The one that I hate is that people will refer to them as a manufactured band, like a boy band, like a business. And yeah. I'm like, in 1973. That there was no money. Nobody put them together. They they had a manager and they had things like yeah. that. But they they were a rock band that had an idea of doing this sort of theatrical kind of thing, and that's as far as it went. But it's like people that just don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They like to assume things. Yeah. And I'm just like, God, it pisses me off so much. So I'm one of those Kiss fans that it makes my blood boil when people. <laughs> talk shit about kiss when they don't know what they're talking about. And, um, so I'm glad that we're doing this because it kiss is a, is a fun band to talk about. If you're a fan, you know, there's a lot to, yeah. to talk about. So, um, yeah, that, that, this is the end of part one. Do you have anything to say before we wrap it up? Uh, my list will be final by by our <laughs> next episode. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll allow you even with each episode for with number one if you feel like you want to switch things around. I just you feel feel free. We're <laughs> we're not being stringent with the rules because if we did that, then this would be this would be really boring. Because I do I have a feeling that if we keep doing these rankings for years eventually something's going to happen where we go back to one from years before and go oh why did i rank that that way we and should so, do like a uh like year uh year anniversary special where we look at like our lists and we do like <laughs> rebuttals and stuff like i take that back or something <laughs> like that <laughs> all right that's uh, we, we cool. could definitely do that all right so that's all we got for uh, this edition of Cranked and Ranked. Thank you very much for listening. If you're on YouTube, thank you for watching the pictures. And um, <laughs> um, leave some comments down below. Like and subscribe. Also, go subscribe to Eddie Sparks on YouTube. Um, he's got more shit in the works. He, he's a he's a quality over quantity kind of guy, and I'm the opposite. Um, so um, it's it's, wor- it's worth it. It's worth it's worth <laughs> it's worth the wait. Um, but yeah, so that, that's it for this edition of Cranked and Ranked. Thank you for listening. And as usual, I'm going to let Mr. Eddie Sparks take us out. La, yeah, yeah, yeah.